0: you're taking that million dollar opportunity and you're whittling it all the way back down to that number that you believe about yourself. Because our beliefs always create our actions.
1: So the question is this, how do most agents find the secrets to succeed in today's competitive real estate market, especially when the top agents are keeping those secrets to themselves? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. Hi, I'm Aaron Amuchasteghi, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Real Estate Rockstars, this is Aaron Amuchasteghi. Hey, you guys are in for a treat today. This is going to be a really, really fun episode. So today I'm interviewing Ian Pruckner. And I want to be able to try to give you a bio of Ian, but I'm gonna let him try to do that. I first met Ian at a mastermind in Michigan. He's he was on stage, you know, teaching entrepreneurs how to grow their life. He had just released a new book. Sometimes I see him on stage at church playing the guitar, like leading worship and stuff. Like he's a man of many talents between many different states. And but I do know that our conversation is gonna be fire today. You guys are gonna be glad you listened and you're gonna find yourself wanting more. So, Ian,
0: how's it going, dude? I'm doing awesome, buddy. I'm doing awesome. How
1: are you, Aaron? Good to see you. Yeah, good to see you. I'm I'm feeling really really good today. I've been super excited to get to talk to you this week so we can just share some of the fun stuff with people we spend so much time on the show talking about real estate. And in this last year, I've talked to people a lot about being able to diversify and do other stuff with that money and also live a better life and live happier. And, you know, with so much of the stuff you've been putting out lately, I'm like, I need to get Ian on so we can, You, know, you, you it's awesome when you and I get to talk and we can record it and other people can listen. It's even better. If you were going to try to do a, you know, what's, what's your like five minute intro to who you are? Like, so who is Ian and how did you get there?
0: Oh my goodness. Well, I, again, I appreciate being on and hello to everybody uh, out there in the real estate world. And uh, man, I mean gosh, it's just been a whirlwind. The last 15 years, I feel like I've lived five lifetimes in one, and it's been pretty incredible. So I, um, I grew up in a town called Royal Oak, Michigan, and uh, my parents still live there, same 900 square foot house we grew up in. And I sort of did the prescribed pattern in life, you know, go to school, get good grades, you can get into a good college, and then go get a good job. And I actually graduated with a degree in education. I student taught And I I couldn't do it. I said, God bless teachers, but this is not what I can do with the rest of my life. And I found out that I was really psychologically unemployable. I just didn't do well with people telling me where to be, what I had to do. And so I was a musician. Uh, I played in punk rock bands. I taught music lessons growing up and through school and through college and uh, so i decided well maybe i'll just be a professional musician so i played in a punk rock band we did all right you know probably never heard of it but uh uh did okay and then i actually ended up getting involved in a local church very small local church as a music director and uh, and it was actually really really cool it was uh, the ability if any of you know musicians or are musicians you know like if we can make enough money to survive playing music, we're the happiest people on earth. You know, like that was, that was my life. And I had one problem. Her name was Jessica. Uh, we got engaged and she had very expensive tastes and she didn't like the musician lifestyle all that much. So, so I really put, uh, put the uh, band musician stuff on the side and I really focused on uh, working uh, on the church music side. We actually got hired in at a pretty big church at the time in Rochester Hills, Michigan, in a really affluent area, and uh, I took over four of their teams playing music, and it wasn't really a, a job to me, it was more like a calling, it was something I loved doing, I loved playing music, I loved people, and um, you know, I was working, uh, teaching music lessons on the side, singing at people's weddings and funerals on the side, because the church we were at before was sort of a smaller church, and so this is really affluent church, this really big church, and we thought for sure like this is going to be my ticket back to some sort of normalcy and schedule. You know, I'm sure I'll make enough here to be able to get rid of the other stuff. And so we sort of had a number in mind that we needed to be making and they, uh, they made us an offer and it was 25% short of that number. And they said, you know, we really feel like we want you here. We're in the middle of the building project and we'd like to get you to that number, but we got to start you here. Our goal is to have you up there within a year. And so we prayed about, we really felt led to go, on that venture. So she and I both started working for that church. We jumped in about six months and we were doing everything. I was doing music and youth and kids and whatever else I could do. And I got uh, called to come into my boss's office about six months into into our tenure there. Right. And I thought for sure he'd seen all my hard work, all the different things we were doing. I thought for sure I was getting that raise, right. That 25% jump, And so I'm passing my wife. She's at the desk as the office administrator. I'm giving her like the thumbs up. I'm like, this is it, right? This is what we've been working for. And I don't know if any of you've ever sat in a meeting where somebody's about to pull a rug out from under you. Mm -hmm. But the moment I walked in that door, Aaron, I knew something wasn't good. And it was, you could cut the atmosphere with a knife. And he sat me down. His name was Stephen, And he said, Ian, I'm really sorry to tell you this. But the church's finances are not in a good place. We're behind in the building project. And effective immediately, we're cutting everybody's pay 10%. I'm very, very sorry, but I wanted to tell you first because we made some promises to you. And so I'm going to try to give you some time off to make up for it. I'm like, bro, I don't need time off. I'm already working two other jobs because I'm so broke, right? Like, I don't need the time off. I need the money. He's like, I'm not sure if and when we'll be able to make it up to you. I'm really, really sorry. And I left that meeting and I felt like I'd been punched in the stomach, right? Yeah. And so my radar went up for how do I make some extra money? My plan was I was going to be a night manager at Rite Aid and work three midnights a week for $14.55 an hour. That's how I was going to make up my, my um, pay cut. And so here I am working three jobs, about to start a fourth, newly married. My wife's love language is quality time for all of you married out there. You understand what it's like to be violating your significant others. Number one love language. It wasn't good. And I was in sort of a really dark place. I I was 22 years old and learning really quickly that the world wasn't fair and that the promises employers made to you really don't mean much at the end of the day. And so that was back in 2006. And so 2006 in Detroit Metro, in the charitable giving arena, we started to feel the rumblings of that recession of 08, 09, right? Detroit was one of the hardest hit areas. But the first thing that went was charitable giving. So we were 18 months in front of that whole tidal wave, but we knew something was wrong. And so I was going to start working as a night manager at Rite Aid, right? And my same boss a month later, Aaron, he comes to me and says, Ian, are you still looking to make some extra money? I said, Stephen, with all due respect, that is the dumbest question you've ever asked. You see what you pay me here, right? You, You know what you pay me. Of course, I'm looking to make extra money. And he says, there's this guy that goes to the church. He does this thing. You could do it on the side. You'd probably be good at it. You should go talk to him. And at that point, Aaron, like, I didn't care. Anything sounded better than working nights at Rite Aid, you know, as a fourth job. And so I called this guy. I didn't know him from Adam. I said, hey, my name's Ian. I don't know you. You know me. I sing on stage every, every Sunday at church. He said, Come on by. Let me show you what I'm doing. I pulled up to this guy's house there. He had this castle looking house on the lake. And I pulled up to his house and I said, No joke. I said, If he's not selling drugs to kids, I'm in. I don't even care what it is. I'm in because, because listen, most people are broken, and skeptical, and that's a bad combination. I was broken, open minded, and really tired of being broken. I was looking for a way out, right? And so I got started in business part time with this mentor, right? And eight months later, I was making hundred thousand dollars a year, which to me was humongous money. My take-home pay at the church was eighteen hundred and fifty dollars a month, right? So, so it's like I was a major pay so I thought I died and went to heaven, and I just started working on myself, started learning business, started learning sales, and uh, you know, a few years later, we were making million dollars a year, and it was like it was unbelievable residual income. We diversified out in into- E-commerce and into real estate and into intellectual property and all this sort of stuff. And it's just been an unbelievable ride, you know. We homeschool our kids like you guys do. We've been homeschooling for seven years. We're the real homeschool OGs, right? Yeah. Uh, when when the uh, pandemic hit, we were prepared. We were already ready. And uh, but we've been traveling the world and living part time in Florida and part time in Michigan. And it's just been an awesome adventure, making a difference in the lives of a lot of people because what i found was listen there's three sorts of places we can be in life financially okay we can we can live in the land of not enough and i know what that's like i can remember Aaron sorting and sifting through these big industrial freezer tubs at myers that's what we have in michigan i, I don't mm. know what you have for you all but think like a big local grocery store and i would sift through them at 11:30 at night because that's what time all my jobs finally got done. And my wife and I would go to the grocery store and I'd be sifting through these big industrial freezers till my arm would turn bright pink and even purple, sifting through the raviolis, the three for $7 bags of ravioli to find the three for $5 bags of ravioli at the very bottom that people had not picked through because I couldn't afford the extra $2. So I remember what it's like to live in that land of not enough, and it's not fun. It's like money, and it's really the lack of money, right? The lack of money consumes you. Every decision you make is being made out of a position of lack. You read the menu when you go out to the restaurant from right to left. doesn't even matter. what You're not reading it from left to right see what you like. You're figuring out what does it cost, right, or can we even go here? I know what that's like. The second place you can live is in the land of just enough. And I think there's so many people out there that live in that land and the bills are paid most of the time on time and things are okay. They're not incredible. They're not around the world. They're not life changing. And, you know, to me, it's just so sad to watch people live their whole life having settled for something less than what they were capable of. And then the third place you can live is the land of more than enough. When you really can, can, Do the things you feel like God's called you to do, uh, and you're not you got the money thing under control. You're not worried about that anymore. And I've lived in all three, and I promise you, the land of more than enough is the best of all three to be in. And uh, you know, so I started I started learning the principles of money, how money works, but more importantly than how money works, how money works with us and our thinking, because true wealth really does begin in the mind, right? And it's been an incredible journey. It's been an honor of my life to be able to teach thousands and thousands of people how to go from that land of not enough or the land of just enough to be able to move themselves into a land of more than enough where they can really be the parents they were meant to be. They can make the difference they were meant to make. They can live like you talked about with some happiness and some fulfillment that just really gets pressed down sometimes when we're in those places where we're hand to mouth all the time.
1: Yeah
0: real estate rockstars! this is a
1: commercial break from our biggest podcast sponsor we have right now rent ready it can be fun getting a new real estate deal but it can be tough managing your properties after the fact especially if you're long distance investing or trying to manage multiple properties by yourself that's why we're here to tell you about rent ready rent ready is a property management software that not only makes it easier to manage all your real estate deals from one platform but they also have the best customer service support in the biz They're an all-in-one app that lets you easily manage properties, collect rent, list units, screen tenants, sign leases, all from your phone or computer. Imagine all of your real estate doors right in your pocket. How awesome is that? The best part is it's so affordable, one flat price for everything. Unlimited properties, tenants and support with a real life human. And I have to add in there, that's a new business model that not a lot of people are doing. There's like this freemium model where people say, hey, you can try this, but as soon as you grow, it's gonna cost you a lot of money or they kind of punish you when you get too many emails on your list or too many comments. They aren't going to punish you when you grow. They're not going to charge you more when you get 10, 20, 30 rentals. They're going to charge you the same when you have two or three as they will when you have 50 or 60. So you have a nice fixed cost, all software, all in one place. Check it out, RentReady. R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I.com. And if that's not enough, RentReady is giving our listeners a special code you can use to get a whole year of RentReady for just $54. Use code R-O-C-K-S-T-A-R 50. That's Rockstar 50. And sign up for RentReady's annual plan at rentready.com. Again, R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I dot com with code ROCKSTAR50 to get rent ready for only $54. Yeah, real estate rock star listeners, this is why I wanted to bring Ian on here. You know, from just those first few minutes of that chat, I get to take down so many notes of the things we're going to talk about. I know it's going to be so much fun today, and I know there's so many things out there that are resonating uh, with all of you guys and with so many people. So many people have gone through that. You know, I remember when Kalina was a waitress at night at the casino, and we would do the handoff for the kids. It's like you talk about these different levels of money. And you know, the, the money is only a part of what Ian talks about with business and running that. I mean, we, I love sharing. We need to share that part with you so that way you'll know you want to listen. But so much of what Ian's talking to out there is telling people how to just get the right attitude in life and how to go after life and how to think about money. But you talk about living in the lack of money place, which everyone's done. And then the second one you talked about was living in just enough, where you have enough money to pay your bills. I almost think that's the worst place to be, period, because it's you, you people make just enough, they're afraid to take a risk, afraid to go bigger, afraid to go somewhere else. When you're not making enough, it's very clear on what the goal is. I want to be able to not struggle so much to eat. And then when you're making just enough where your bills are covered, but you're not getting all the extra stuff. I remember talking to an employee once and saying, Hey, what's your goal? What's your like bucket list goal for your family. And he's like, I'd really like to take my son on his dirt bike and we'll go ride at this course one week. And it was like, that's your bucket list one someday goal, like a two hour event that'll cost you $30. And so it's understanding like that just enough. What do you think about it? Do you think just enough is the worst? Or do you think that's the, where it's toughest to change out of?
0: Yeah. hundred percent. Right. Because, because when you're in the land of just enough, you can finally breathe. And for most people, that's all they've ever aspired to. Is I I remember, and and just enough is two words. Just and enough, right? And the word just, I think, is a bad word in our life. We need to eradicate it because it is a it is a typography of. Of mediocrity, it, it's it's a descriptor. if I just have this, if I just, and I would think that like if I could just make forty thousand dollars a year, I'd be okay. Yeah. And we get to this just enough place, and we finally settle in, right? We settle in, and we think like I don't have to run anymore. I finally can take a breath. But if we're not careful, we'll settle in a place where we were supposed to just be passing through. And that's what I think a lot of us forget: the land of just enough is not a permanent residency for us. It is, it is a place of rest and refreshment from the grind. And then we go back to the land of more than enough, which is really where you live your purpose. See, one of the things that I try to help these people have so many hangups about money. It's one of the things coming out of the church world. I would just see so many incredible people whose destiny was crippled by, by poor thinking and limiting believing around money, right? And what happens is, understand this, in, in Uh, America, or any sort of remotely free economy, haha, right? Okay. Any sort of remotely free economy. If you're not stealing money, okay, if you're not stealing money, you earned that money. In a value trade, somebody, Aaron, said, I want your goods. I want your product. I want your service. I want your time. I want your expertise. I want your ideas more than I want this money. Would you trade that to me? Would you trade that to me? And so, So money really is the byproduct of serving other people and solving other people's problems, right? That's ultimately what money is. And so when we have just enough money, what that really means is we're serving just enough people for our own needs to be okay. We're making just a big enough difference in the lives of others that our needs are met. The problem with that thinking is there's a whole world that needs you. There's something special inside of every person watching this. That literally you and only you have been designed and placed on this planet for a purpose and a reason and money is not the goal it's the outcome it's the byproduct of serving people with that gift with that knowledge with that skill set with your ideas and so i think that that land of just enough is very tempting it's really tempting to settle down and serve only ourselves right in the land of just enough and this would be tough for some people to hear. But it really is a a place of selfishness where it says, I'm good, but I don't care about the rest of y'all out there. I'm okay. Y'all figure it out for yourself. And what I found about the people who live in the land of more than enough is money was really not their aim. Their aim was making a difference. Their aim was growing a business. Their, Their goal was delivering a service to a lot of people that would help them. And the money was just the certificate of merit to prove that those transactions occurred, you know, and it really allows them to live out a bigger purpose that's beyond them.
1: Yeah, we say so much of the same thing in real estate, right? When when you guys are out serving your clients, if you're aiming to serve, if you're aiming to provide value, the money follows. Like sometimes it is about asking somebody, "Hey, will you give me the listing?" or "Hey, can I be your agent?" But other times it's just provide value, provide value, provide value, and then they want you to be their agent. They want you to help with that. You know, we did a we had a a, a episode last month where we kind of talked about with one of the things you said is the lack of money consumes you. In the time when 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 people are struggling so if people are struggling and they're living in the land of not enough the lack of money consumes you lack of money makes people make bad decisions it's harder to keep up with our morals with our values and everything else when we're struggling when there's you know when people i've had employees steal from me right and it's like you know you have they have the opportunity to and they do and part of that it's just a human condition of when you're living in not enough, it makes it much easier to say like, what would I do to have enough? What would I do to eat? What would I do to feed my kid? And so it's, it's almost I mean. like
0: that Robin Hood story in some ways, right? Like, you know, we'll take from this person and give to that person and, you know, and yeah. ultimately, right? Like whether you have a lot or you have a little, that doesn't change right and wrong. The, the, the ends do not justify the means, right? But that is in our society we're not taught that right number one but number two you're exactly right it's when you have a lack you are much more likely to blur those lines to try to meet that need than you are when you have a surplus of those things just doesn't mean there are not people who have lots of money who get it you know who get it by circumstances that are not maybe the best right there are for sure those people but in my experience those people are few and far between and Their fortunes don't last. When their fortunes are built on a castle made of sand, eventually the waves come. They always come, and if it's not built on a solid foundation, it's going to wash away. You
1: know. Yeah, yeah. We we've talked about like run your life like you run a business. Like have a savings account, have some backup, have you know plan. The way for when things like COVID craziness happens or something totally outside of our control, it's like because if not, if we don't have the savings, if we don't have the finances in place, then we might not be making the right decisions for things. So I was, I remember being pretty fresh out of school and I had this great job. I was getting paid a lot of money in that job, but I really wanted to be an entrepreneur. And my wife, I was like, Hey, Kalina, I'm gonna quit my job and we're gonna go do this. We're gonna go buy some lots and build some houses. And the answer from her was no. Absolutely not. That sounds terrifying. Like, I don't want you to go work with your dad and do that. And, and really, and, and we were young and, and, and it's not even saying anything right or wrong. It's a normal thing to say, no, you've got a job. You're not supposed to become an entrepreneur. You're not supposed to take a risk right now. That scares me. Take the normal job and do it. And I think there's a lot of people, I know you talk to a lot of people that are like, hey, Ayn, I've got this great job I don't know if I want to become an entrepreneur. I know that commission-based sales is awesome, but I'm afraid to leave my job. There's even real estate there's real estate agents that are listening that are doing real estate part-time right now because yeah. it's safe to have this other job and maybe they'll do some deals. What do you tell people that are on the fence between it's kind of like being in that, you know, just enough section or it's kind of in that job security part. There's a mindset shift when you go from working for a paycheck to working for yourself and betting on yourself.
0: Yeah, yeah, 100%. And let's talk about the mindset shift because I think this will set up the rest of the conversation really well. So one of the things I always tell people is you need a mindset shift before you're going to see an income shift, okay? And that ultimately what we think about, we bring about, right? So I wrote this book, you're talking about it. And in that book, I talk about an idea called T-Bar. And T-Bar is an acronym. And T-Bar is happening in your life, Aaron's happening in my life. It's happening in everybody's life who's listening right now. One of the things I love about it, you don't need to learn it, you're already using it. You just need to be aware of it and what t-bar stands for, for is thoughts beliefs actions results ultimately what we think about long enough works its way from our conscious thought process into a subconscious belief system our belief systems ultimately dictate and determine the actions we take or don't take right and those actions that we take or don't take are ultimately most responsible for the results we have. So every result we have right now, whether that's the quality of our health, uh, our spiritual well-being, the the status of our family relationships, or even our financial condition, those are all byproducts of the thinking, the belief system, and the actions that we took to create them. They're literally the perfect outcome of how we think, what we believe, and what we do. And so ultimately, if we want to change our outcomes, we've got to change the way we think, and we've got to change our beliefs. And most people don't do that. Most people try to change their action. So let's talk about the real estate agent who's part-time, not sure if they should go full-time or not, right? That action's being dictated by a belief system, probably a belief system around money, right? That maybe money's hard to make, uh, it doesn't grow on trees, uh, I'm not sure if I'm good enough to do this, You know, maybe a, a lack of clarity about where money comes from. And there's any number of subconscious underlying beliefs that cause people to take the actions that they're taking. We've got to look at our belief systems and understand what they're creating in our life. And this is where most, most people want to go to a seminar here, uh, here a new app. They can get a new you know phrase uh, that they can say, that'll change everything. The problem is wherever we go, there we are. Right? Yeah. And If we don't change our thinking and belief systems, ultimately what we do and what we get won't change much. Does that make sense? And so I think that it's really, really important that we understand some of those beliefs around money and and how they color everything in in our lives, right? Because there's a lot of people watching right now. They're in the land of not enough. They're struggling in their career. They're struggling in their business. That is a byproduct of some poor thinking and poor beliefs around money and what it takes to create money. Okay. There are some people here that live in the land of just enough. Their bills are paid and they're doing well, but if you wanna level up, you've gotta change the way you think about money and your belief systems, because how you believe now has got you what you have now. You won't change what you have now until you change what you believe now. And then there are people who are scaling up, who are making a really, really big difference, they're helping a ton of clients, they're making a lot of difference in a lot of people's lives and those people think differently as well. So we gotta study the thought process and the belief systems of the high achievers in our space, because then the actions and the results are, are, they're automatic. They're automated. They're the byproduct of what created them.
1: I love, so T-bar. And, you know, and I love telling people about joining masterminds, about getting coaches, about going to seminars, like learning from other people. You know, one of the other things I think I hear a lot from people is they say, I'm not meant to be an entrepreneur. Like I'm not, and and sometimes it's like, maybe I don't want as much risk as you are. or You know what? I can't do that. I can't be an entrepreneur. I can't handle the stress of being an entrepreneur. That to me sounds like another one of those things you would, if you were coaching somebody on that, you would say, well, let's look at that belief and let's talk to people that are entrepreneurs and see how they got over that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that's just a belief system. It's the belief system of, of, I can't versus I could, right? Because the truth is there's very few things you can't do if you wanted to do them badly enough. but but many people do believe they can't. They can't. And so when I believe I can't, I don't and won't. I won't look for ways to fix my problem, okay? And I don't see it as being a fruitful endeavor to try to learn these things because I believe that's just who I am and how I am, and I can't change that. That's the belief system of can The belief system of can is... I could learn anything over time because that's all I've done my entire life. When I was a baby, I couldn't walk, but I learned. And then I couldn't talk, but I learned that as well. I couldn't do math or write. I couldn't ride a bike or drive a car. I couldn't succeed romantically in relationships. I couldn't learn this job or that. Our whole life is full of things we couldn't do until we did. Yeah, And so I would say that there's far more evidence, Aaron, to back up the belief system that I can if I want to versus the belief system of I can't because the truth is there's very few things we couldn't do. And most people don't, they're not drawing a distinction between can't and chose not to, right? And I think when we de- when we define and can draw that distinction, we can become very, very powerful because there's some people watching right now and they think I can't make a million dollars a year in real estate, but that's false. There's many, many, many people who do that. That play the same game as you in your town, right? In your town, in your area, even with your same brokerage, there are people who probably do that. They've got the same opportunity, right? But if we think we can't, why bother studying them? Why bother getting the coach? Why bother with the mastermind? I'm doomed, anyways. Success is outside of my control, has nothing to do with me improving my skill set, work ethic, and clarity. It's just happening around me. And when we believe that, our belief dictates our action. Think of it like this for. Most of human history, people believed the world was flat. And so nobody decided that it was a good idea to try to sail around the world because they believed they would fall off the edge of the world. That was their belief, right? Mm -hmm. And then one day there was a guy who said, no, I don't think that's right. I think the world is round and I could probably sail all around. So all of his buddies thought he was an idiot. They were waving him goodbye, like, we'll see you when you fall off the earth, right? But their belief caused an inaction. We're not gonna bother trying. His belief caused an opposite action, but we always act on our belief, you follow? For most of human history, people believed we couldn't fly. And so nobody decided to study the laws of gravity thrust and lift, right? For about 4,900 years of recorded human history. And then a couple of guys decided, hey, we think this could happen. It was a belief. And so they studied, they planned, they tried, they invested, they failed and tried again their belief dictated their actions. Does that make sense, Aaron? So there's yeah. so many people here that like, they know what to do. They know how to do it. They just can't get themselves to find that next year and let it rip. And people always look like, coach, what do I do? Like, I know, I know I could do this. I just can't get myself to do it. What's happening? T-bar thoughts. I know I can do this. Belief, somewhere subconsciously, that disagrees with that, and it blocks us from taking the action. We get the belief in alignment with the thinking and the action and the result. Haven't you ever seen that? It's like these overnight successes. They're struggling for 20 years, and then boom, in the 21st year, it's like the biggest thing on earth. What happened? Alignment finally happened. They got their conscious and their subconscious belief system lined up, and everything just falls into place when that happens.
1: Yeah. Like the big thing that people can push for how to get that belief aligned with the thinking that happens so often to people saying, I know that I'm supposed, I, I know I'm supposed to make this phone call, but I, but I won't. But then you're, but you're saying deep down, there's a subconscious that's saying, I'm going to fail. I'm not good at it. I'm not going to be comfortable with it. Get that thinking aligned with, no, you got to make that phone call. And the more that you take, I love what you said, Of life is full of things that we couldn't do. Like everything that we are doing in life and that we're good at is an example of something we couldn't do. We did not know how to do it. It wasn't on our skill set. So life is full of things that we couldn't do. And, you know, the only way we get through it is we learn. We learn to walk, we learn to do different things. I also really liked when you said, you know, for the diminishing beliefs where somebody says, I can't make $100,000 a month in real estate. And then your quick answer to that is, somebody is. Somebody is in your town. Somebody is in your office, maybe somebody is in your brokerage. There are people doing it. There are people doing it that are your age. There are people doing it that started last year. There are people doing it that on their 10th year, they got big. So regardless of the story of where you are in your life and your career, people reinvent themselves at 30, 40, 50, 60 years old. You know, people, Some sometimes they have their first year and they do great. Sometimes they say, I was too young. I was too old. There's all, there are so many examples. And that's what we delivered everybody on this podcast is we interviewed so many diverse people that you get that listeners, you can go back and find somebody on the podcast that has the same exact story of you and their breakout moment where their belief aligned with their thinking was at the same spot you're at in your life today. The same age, the same turning point a year in six months in five years in, you know, where wherever it is. One of the things you said early on in this chat, and then I want to hear so much about the, the biggest things that you're, you're teaching right now, is as an employee, there's a time when you, and you said, hey, can I get that raise? And he said, sorry, I'm actually giving you a pay cut. I know I promised you a raise and you did more than you were supposed to, but I'm not going to deliver that. And you said, one of the things that you learned at that time was uh, employers don't always keep their promises for like lack of a better description of that. COVID hits March of 2020 and people are, and the world goes crazy and people are laid off and people lose their jobs. And sometimes like the wrong people they think are getting laid off. There's all sorts of weird stuff going on. And I believe that was the time that you're, that, I mean, you're, you've been doing great for a while, but I believe you had a, you blew up even more, you know, April, May, June last year, because people started reaching out to you and saying, Hey, maybe I don't, maybe this job security thing isn't all it's cracked up to be. Uh, maybe I'm ready to start being my own boss. What was it like, you know, for you, for you guys, you know, March through May, June last year, was wow. did anything slow down? What was your mindset like? Yeah, no.
0: Yeah. So, so I'm a firm believer, remember belief system. Okay. There is an opportunity inside of every crisis. Okay. I am just a firm believer. And so when I saw that coming out, it's so interesting here. One of my guys is really sort of this like nerdy tech guy. And uh, he does a lot of our programming and stuff for one of our businesses. And in one of our group chats, he's writing about, he writes this super long, it's like a biography, right? In this group chat about this COVID-19 and the world's gonna shut down. And you should have seen my reply to him. I said, what on earth is this? Nothing is gonna shut down. I don't even know what this guy's saying. You know what I mean? I'm like, well, no, cause I, I just didn't know anything. It was, that was in January, in January. So this guy, Saw what was coming and he, he predicted it. Well, you know, six weeks later, I'm on a conference call with my guys, and I'm like, "Look, I don't know what's about to happen. It's about to get crazy. But here's what I do know. Here's what I do know. If we will focus right now and we will look for the opportunity that's going to come in, and whatever's coming, there's a big opportunity there. If we will stay focused and not panic, but look for the piece of that that little something shining." That we can latch onto and run we're going to be in a really really good spot so one of our businesses in finance was primarily a face-to-face business we ran these big giant trainings in person all over the place i mean it was we were basically in these regional hubs all over the country and we saw that the shutdown was coming and we said well we're not going to be able to run these big trainings what do we do and then we thought well what if we can't get out to people what do we do And so our guys, our tech guys, have started building out platforms to be able to move everything online immediately. And and man, the day that things shut down, 24 hours later, we took a pretty sizable entity, thousands of people, thousands of people working, and on a dime, turned that thing online. And then what happened was everybody started shutting down, getting laid off. And here we are working from home, online, around your own schedule in an essential industry, and, and it was like every person in the country was saying, how do I work online from home in an essential industry? And that's what we had built. From wherever I want. Yeah. And that's <laughs> what we had built. It literally didn't exist four weeks earlier. It didn't exist. We had done not one single piece of business online in that business for 14 years. And in, in 30 days, the entire organization shifted and we caught that front end and we tripled Last year, that business tripled. The other How long has that
1: thing, business uh, been around?
0: 15 years.
1: Yeah. So it's been around for 15 years and last year it tripled.
0: Yeah. yeah. It, wasn't a, it wasn't a little business. I mean, we were doing 20 some million a year in that business, right? Okay. Yeah. And that, yeah, that went boom. Okay. And so the, the other thing that I saw, right? You talked about the social media, is I'm like, all right, if everybody's going to have to work online and be shut in, This screen time, people already living their life on a four inch screen. Okay. That's going to double. And I need to invest time, effort, energy, resources in growing my presence there majorly, majorly. And so we just went full scale assault on that. Right. And, uh, and that was unbelievably important too, because as everybody moved online and was spending more time, that's where we went. We went where the people were. And so It was just, again, it all was a belief. I watched people in my same industry become obsolete dinosaurs in the same period of time we tripled because they were reacting to this scary thing. They were reacting to it, okay, and we were proacting with it. And if we missed, we missed, but I, I understood that there was a moment we needed to act on and we got in front of it and it was a really, really good thing.
1: You know, for for people listening out there right now, the world is continuing to get better and weirder and better and worse, depending on where you are and everything. The looking for the opportunity in a time of crisis has people have talked a lot this year about. Well, there's th- these people have done so much better during COVID, but these people have done so much worse. But even agents, right? Some real estate agents have had their best years ever, and then some have had none. But in times of crisis, when you start to look for the opportunity. Rather than the putting your head in the sand, there will be more opportunities in our lifetime in the next 10, 15, 20 years where a crisis is going to occur in all sorts of different industries. And if people can look at that and be looking for the opportunity instead and say, what's the niche? What are we going to do better? Sometimes we can get ahead of it. But the people that even a month into COVID made the shift and made okay. the big changes you were going to make was was a big difference. So Ian's got more than a quarter million people that, that follow him online, you know, the and he you're such a giver. Like every day you're doing some form of a, a live or something. And it is very it, like, it's, it's never self-serving. It's always like, you know, inspirational talks with people. How are we going to rock our day? How are we going to do this? My most confusing thing is I see you at this huge thing of donuts almost every day. Ah, totally. And I'm wondering how you can actually stay healthy with your pile of donuts every day twice a week it's twice a week all right well maybe i just keep i'm like how is this guy eating the donuts right now like i know he's on his peloton but come on here so super fun so if you guys haven't like go find ian on social media because there is so much stuff going on there but now i want to talk big the reason i really wanted you on is i saw that you you have a lot of different like courses classes things that you're teaching and nearly all the stuff you teach is free. You know, you've got just like all the people online that you're talking to all the time or I'll jump on your lives with you and you've got like 10,000 people uh, joining. You know, our wives did a, a, a homeschool thing together this summer as we were traveling around just to try, people were asking for, for help and you're like, let's provide some value out there. But this new thing that you're working on, you've pretty much like, you've coached all sorts of people, but this is like your life's work in a, in a masterclass is my outside looking in opinion. What is it really... And what's, what's the first lesson you're teaching with that?
0: Yeah, yeah. So so it really is a, a life's work. It, it is a byproduct, right? Like, like you know, I was on a clubhouse the other day to, and they were talking about coaches and trainers. I don't really see myself as a coach. and I'm a business person. And what I found is over time, people come to me and say, how did you do this? How did you do that? Can you help me with this? And so over time, I took what I knew and what I built and I systematized it, put it on online platforms and said, hey... If, if you really want like the nuts and bolts of this stuff, you can get it here. And so, so what I've come out, it's actually not out yet. It's coming out on, on uh, May 15th. Now that might be after uh, uh, people watch this, but uh, it's called the, the Money Mindset Makeover. It's called the Money Mindset Makeover. And what I found there in 15 years of business and dealing with literally tens of thousands of people who want to change their lives financially, who are good people, who are honest and hardworking. And just watching some who explode and 10 times their income, 20 times their income. I have some people that work with me, they're making 50 times what they were making before uh, we were working together. And then I watch people who just can't break through. They're just stuck where they are. No matter what they do, they can't seem to, to figure it out. And so what I found was True wealth starts in the mind, right? And if we're not thinking right about money, we're not going to get right with money. And so over the years, I just I saw so many people who were limited by limited believing around money with false assumptions around money. People who had a had a dislike of, of money, they felt that they a negative relationship with it, right? And if you have a negative relationship with money, you won't ever have a positive experience with it. And so over time, I just, I saw this, I learned how to identify it, help people get processes and plans to fix that. And what I saw was over and over and over again, the people who were willing to look at their belief systems around money, challenge them and create better belief systems around money, all of them over time started having radically better results financially in their life. And it brought them a lot of financial stability, a lot of peace a lot of options that they didn't have before. And so I put together this, this class. It's 40 lessons, 40 lessons in the art of creating abundance because it really is an art. And I, I'm going to show you one of them that I think is, is so uh, important. And, and everybody watching right now, I want you to, to, to think, and maybe if you're in a safe place, you're not driving, you could write something on your phone or on a piece of paper. I want you to, to write down uh, two numbers for me. The first number that I want you to write down is the number that you made last year. What did you earn last year in your business? I want you to write that number down, whatever that number is. Okay. And my next question for you is this. In three years, in three years, what would you love to be earning in your business three years from now? So I want you to write that number down. Take a second, just write it down now if you can. If you can't, come back to it later, but if you can do it now, go ahead and do it now. What you'll learn about me is listen, I'm a big believer in that knowledge means nothing. Knowledge is not power. It's useless. Applied knowledge is power. So write that down. What did you make twelve in the last 12 months? And what do you want to be making three years from now? Okay, I have a question for you. Why isn't that number you wrote down 10 times larger than the number you wrote? And the answer to that question, Aaron, is because that's all you believe you're capable of. And so if your number was, I made a hundred thousand last year, I'd like to make 300,000 in the next three years. The problem with that belief system, Aaron, is we're going to look for $300,000 worthy deals. We're going to build $300,000 worthy relationships. We will invest in ourselves like a $300,000 person invests in themselves. We'll treat our time that way. We'll treat our bodies that way, our relationships that way. We will read books that people who make 300000 will read. And the problem is we'll miss out on the $3 million relationships and the $3 million books and the $3 million ideas because we're not thinking there, we're thinking here. I have a, a cup here, Aaron. Uh, this is a cup of water, okay? And I want you all to look at this water and notice something. If it's about half full. It doesn't matter whether you see it half full, half empty, it's not the point. Okay, but watch what happens. If I tip this water glass this way, Aaron, what happens to that water?
1: Yeah, well, it's, it, it starts leaning. It's like it, it stays level, but it looks like it's, you're going to dump it out. Yeah,
0: it, it flattens out, right? It leans back out. Now, if I if I tip it the other way, what happens again?
1: Yeah, it flattens out there too.
0: Flattens out. So in science, this is a, 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 an idea called equilibrium. And equilibrium is the place where an object feels most naturally at rest. And in water's case, water is at equilibrium, flat to the earth. So even if I move it, The water, which is inanimate, doesn't have any feelings, doesn't have a brain, it just moves to go back to where it feels like it should be. You follow this? Well, people have financial equilibriums. We have a belief system about where we think we can and should be. Okay? And as the world moves around us, we will readjust. Let me illustrate this to you. There's probably a lot of people on here who at some point have lost a job have their income interrupted, lost a job, et cetera. And so what happened to their equilibrium is it got shaken. It got moved. And so what did they do in response? There's probably very few people watching your podcast that are still living under the bridge, having never recovered from that loss of a job, right? That they, they went back to school. They got a new degree. They started in a new field. They moved to a new place. They, they started in their own business. They did something to fight and scratch and claw back to their equilibrium, the place they believe they belong. Let's say that was 80,000 a year. You take somebody's 80,000, they will move heaven and earth to get back to that 80,000, including pulling their kids out of school, going somewhere totally new and starting over, right? Yes yep. or yeah. Okay. That is a wonderful survival mechanism that is built into us. It is a horrible, thriving mechanism. If we don't understand that it's happening, here's what I mean. If you are an 80000 dollars equilibrium person and your thinking and your belief sets are 80 grand, 80 grand, 80 grand, when we find ourselves at 30 grand, we bring ourselves right back to 80. The problem is if we're 80, 80, 80, and now we find ourselves in a multi-million dollar opportunity, Aaron, what will we do? We will self-sabotage our way all the way back down to what? 80. 80. Because that's who we are. It's where we belong. It's what we deserve. At least that's what our beliefs tell us. And that's what's happening to a lot of the people that are watching this right now. You have people in your office, in your brokerage, that are making 10 times that you're making that aren't as good as you are. You you are, you're, you're more skilled. You're probably, uh, you know, a better person, okay? <laughs> and yet they're way out earning. And the reason is you're taking that million dollar opportunity and you're whittling it all the way back down to that number that you believe about yourself because our beliefs always create our actions like Christopher Columbus or the Wright brothers that we talked about, right? And so listen, do you want to make way, way, way more money? Okay, how do you do it? You've got to change your equilibrium. When you raise the level in this cup, Okay. When you raise the level in that cup, everything around you raises. If you can move that from an $80,000 a year belief system to an $800,000 a year belief system, you will treat your time that way. You'll treat your relationships that way. You will invest in yourself accordingly. And those things will create the outcome of that belief system. And so no matter where you are, no matter where, Aaron, this is for you and for me, right? Like we're both doing pretty good by most people's standards. Okay, but if we wanna do better, we gotta raise our equilibrium. We gotta take what we think we're worth, what we believe we should be doing, and we've gotta raise that. How do you do it? That's the big, okay Ian, that makes sense to me. How, how do I do it? And that's what the course is. The course is 40 of these ideas, and exactly how how do I implement this so that it's not just, oh, I learned about it. How do I actually do it? Let me give you a couple of ideas, okay? The first thing you need to do if you want to raise your equilibrium is you've got to get a, around some people who can pour into that number, right? Some people who are playing at a level that are a lot fuller than you, and you just take some of that when, they're, when their glass tips a little bit and that water pops out the side, you better be catching that thing like crazy, right? And you get around people, and you've heard the power of association, okay? This is why the power of association is important, because ultimately- their equilibrium levels are rubbing off on you. You're getting what they're at. The second thing that I would tell you to do is supersize it. Upgrade your life by one experience every time. So most people, Aaron, they live in the same neighborhood their whole life. They go to the same job. They're around the same people. It's no wonder why their life never gets different because everything around them is always the same. So you've got to be willing to put yourself in positions that are unusual and or uncomfortable relative to your current financial status, right? And so if you're a coupon clipper, upgrade to first class next time and everything inside of you is saying, no, I can't, you're like wicked witch, you start melting, right, because of the extra cost. Okay, but what happens is your experience level raises and you say, hmm, that was pretty nice. I'd like to do that again. I remember when I first started making real money, I started going to the Capitol Grill and that was like, you know, when you go to, you ever eat at the Capitol Grill? You guys are probably like super like healthy eaters and stuff. You probably don't eat.
1: Well, no, but I only because I haven't spent enough time out out where you're at, but uh, (laughs) but I know those moments. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, we went there and you know what they ask you when you come to the Capitol Grill and you don't look like you belong there. As soon as you sit down, they say, are you celebrating anything today? Because that's where people go to celebrate big deals, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's like, you know, what are you, it must be an anniversary or birthday because you probably wouldn't come here otherwise, right?
1: Yeah, you're not eating here every week.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I sat there, I said, that food was real good. And I liked this environment. And you could just tell, like the people at the bar, removers and shakers, all that. I said, Jess, I want to have a goal that I come to Capital Grill once a month just because. And so that experience, if I never went there, I always would have been been okay at Ponderosa. but I, but I took my Ponderosa and I supersized it. And I said, Hmm, that sure would be nice to do. And all of a sudden I'm thinking a little bit bigger. And because I'm thinking a little bit bigger, I got to produce a little bit bigger to get there. Right. And so uh, it's so funny. I was out at Capitol grill here with one of my friends uh, on the key and he has a locker in Orlando and in Sarasota. So he didn't just go to Capitol grill. He has a locker at Capitol where they keep things for him. He just walks in, everybody knows him, right? It's like, that's he goes there two, three times a week and he just orders the same thing every time. The point being is, you know, you start there and you go there, you supersize your experience and you teach yourself, listen, hunger is a discipline. Hunger is a discipline. And you got to teach yourself to stay hungry. So you got to get around some people that raise that equilibrium level, okay? You've You've got to supersize your experience a little bit. Okay, the third thing I would tell you to do to raise that equilibrium is dream on paper. Okay, spend five minutes and just write down a day in your dream life five years from now in as much detail as you can. Where are you living? What's your experience like? Who are you with? What are you doing? What are you driving? What sort of trips do you like to take? And here's the key everybody has vision boards, right? Okay, but vision boards are fantasy until you start putting some dollars behind them. Assign the dollars to that place that you live, and that car you drive, and that vacation that you want to take, and the mother-in-law you retired, and the private school that you want your kids to go to, and the personal chef that was cooking your breakfast, and that, that, whatever that is, and put that on paper, and look at what that life costs, and what are you doing? You're raising your level of money awareness and desire. Money won't go where it's not wanted. And many people, stuck in just enough, they say things like, well, I don't need that much to be happy. Okay, well, money doesn't buy you happiness anyway, so was never intended to buy you happiness, right? So if you aren't happy or sad because of it, you might as well get as much as you can because money buys things like tacos and trips and other fun things, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah, donuts, exactly. So, so if we'll change our equilibrium, everything else in our life will follow suit. People ask me, Ian, what do I do? That's the wrong question, okay? The right right question is, what do I believe? And are those beliefs serving me? And if they're not, how do I upgrade them to a belief system that does serve me? Because here's the key, right? People say, well, focusing on money is selfish. Wrong. Remember what we talked about? The only way you're getting money is serving people, right? If you have a lot of money, you've helped a lot of people in some way. So A lot of people said, I'd rather give you my money to get your service or your product than that, right? And so it actually isn't selfish at all. By definition, it helps us become selfless in order to serve people with our time, our talent, and our energy.
1: Man, there is so much stuff in there for listeners. If you just start doing, if you just work on those three things that Ian just talked about, you're going to start to be off to the races. I know a bunch of people wrote down the number of what they want to be worth in a few years, and then you asked them why it wasn't more, and they had all these beliefs again. You talked about all these beliefs again of, well, I couldn't have said this much, or I, would, I wouldn't be humble if I said that much, or or I don't need enough, or money's evil. And you being able to say like, no, it's it's a it is how sometimes it's about how we keep score, how the world keeps score, and then it gives us other things in the world. Well, I'm excited to see what else you have in there. Like even like I'm gonna redo some of those exercises that you're talking about there because it's such a great way for people to remember. You know, raise your equilibrium, have a goal. And then also backing in, like what's your dream life? Well, the that life may be more expensive than you thought it would be, it may be less expensive than you thought it would be, but backing into that life and saying, here's my dream life, here's how much it's gonna cost me, and then the, the idea of who you hang out with is who you get to become. You know, you know, there's so many people, so many of the, the most successful people in the world will talk about. You are who you hang out with. You are who your friends are. So whether that's coaches or masterminds or just friendships, people that you choose to hang out with, the you know they're going to be the ones that are filling up your glass and making you better. I got to listen to a billionaire speak this week and he was answering questions with us and the stuff that, that his brain was saying was obvious that he is hanging out with people that have completely different conversations and it's always about, can we change the world? And also there was no, like, that's impossible. Like that's impossible doesn't even work in that vocabulary. And I was like, man, I need to hear guys like that more often. They're like, no, we can change the world and nothing is impossible because all of them are doing that. So Ian, we're out of time for this. The um, I know your time is, is valuable, but I know that our listeners want to hear more about you. Where should they come find you uh, if they want to know more about any of the stuff that you're doing?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So number one place to find me is on Instagram at Ian Pruckner. Be careful. There's about five to 10 people who catfish me at any given time. Yeah, there's
1: a lot of fake Ian Pruckner. <laughs> there's a lot of there. fake so Ian look for The one that actually has a quarter million followers. Yeah, yeah.
0: Go, go look for the one that has the most followers and the most posts. That's me. That's the real <laughs> me. And uh, I don't run seven different accounts to try to uh, give you... Give me your credit card so you can uh, you get the Nairobian prince's wealth that I inherited to give to you, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Just got to give me your credit card. Yeah. So follow me on Instagram at Ian Kruckner. And then for, for those of you who are ready to go from, from the dream board to the dream life, right? Like you're ready to stop thinking about it, start actually manifesting it, making it happen. And you feel like, hey, you know what? Maybe I've been stuck for a while. I've been making good money, but not great money, not change the world money. And i'm ready to go to that next level let me promise you it starts in your mind if you can change how you think you can change what you get if you're interested in getting that course okay do not just go buy it out there in fact you feel free to go buy it out there but if you dm me the word money okay if you dm me the word money to my instagram i will send you a personal discounted link it is 50 percent off what it sits out there for okay so if you go buy it out there, God bless you. Thank you so much. But if you want to pay half price for it, send me a DM. I'll have one of my admins reach back out to you through that account and uh, and get you a, a private link. And uh, Aaron, listen, I'm excited. I know we're going to spend a little bit of time together this summer. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. But I appreciate you and your leadership and your willingness to do a podcast like this because there's so many people in this industry, in particular in the real estate industry, everybody's sort of like a lone ranger out there and And you know, you're giving people so much value, so much wisdom, you're exposing them to some different ideas that'll challenge them. And if it doesn't challenge us, it doesn't change us. And change is ultimately what we're after because we did not come this far to stay the same. We didn't work this hard on ourselves to stay the same, right? We're we're all in a journey to get better and to become more. And when when we get better, things get better, right? It's one of my taglines. I always love to tell people when we get better, things get better. When we invest in us, that investment pays off in major returns out there, not just for us, but for the world that gets served by our skills and our talents and our gifts. So thanks so much for your time. I appreciate you and your friendship.
1: I appreciate you too. I cannot wait to get the families together. We get to go hang out up at the ranch. I'm so glad you finished with when we get better, things get better. That Your tagline, that was one of my favorite taglines that you do when I get to, to catch on with some of the stuff you're doing every morning. Ian, thanks for joining us. Real Estate Rockstars. Thanks for listening.